Welcome to episode 2 of 22nd Century. In the age of the Internet of Things, with Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, 4G, 5G and NFC, one company is trying a different approach, using existing devices and technologies to send data through the power of sound waves. Today, I spoke with James Nesfield and Daniel Jones, CEO and CTO of Chirp, to learn about exactly how they do this, how secure it is and more. Hi James, thanks a lot for joining me today on the 22nd Century Podcast. I'd just like to start by just with a little intro from yourself. It should be really good just to give a little basis of yourself, how Chirp came about and kind of where you guys are at at the moment. Sure, so my name is James Nesfield, I'm CEO of Chirp. Um, we originally spun out of UCL um, mm-hmm. as a research program. Mm-hmm. Um, that was about seven years ago. And that research was towards how to best send data um, using sound, using mm-hmm. a series of, of tones. Uh, if you fast forward to today, um, we've got uh, a suite of software development kits, SDKs, which allow any device with a loudspeaker and microphone yeah. to uh, send, send data um, using those transducers. Uh, what's what's really interesting about that is that, um, of course, we see so many devices out there now, especially with the uh, advent of uh, voice assistants, yeah. um, pushing microphones and loudspeakers um, into the world. Uh, with our technology, uh, those devices can communicate with each other um, using using audio. Nice. The first kind of question I'd like to start with is the biggest misconception or myth that people have about the technology, so about, about like sending data over sound, but also maybe about chirp, I guess the biggest yeah, myth they have. Um, it's interesting, yeah, yeah. Well, one, of, one, of the, one of the myths, I think, comes from the fact that it's using sound and as, as people we have ears and we, we're kind of... Uh, in tune with that, that medium more than we are with the uh, electromagnetic spectrum when yeah. it comes to radio technologies. So often we get questions uh, about um, privacy yeah. and, and, and security. Uh, what's, what's interesting about um, Chirp using uh, audio as, 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 a, as a medium, as, as a, uh, a sound as a medium, um, is that we're actually applying a lot of the same techniques that other similar technologies that, that, that exactly that, that technologies like Bluetooth and Wi-Fi um, use. They happen to apply it in the um, radio space, and, and, and we happen to move um, air molecules um, around. But in terms of um, um, the uh, principles and uh, security you can layer on top of that um, channel, they're, they're identical. So just because you have um, um, ears doesn't make... Um, <laughs> doesn't make it necessarily much different apart from the like transfer method in a way. Yeah, so, so, so it makes it more familiar, okay. certainly, but um, 
if you if you have a radio, you can listen in on um, Bluetooth and Wi-Fi signals. Mm -hmm. um, just as if you've got a microphone, you can listen in uh, on, on chat broadcasts. Mm -hmm. It's things like um, um, public key encryption um, and other um, um, security strategies that have been around for decades and are industry best practice. That's what keeps Bluetooth secure, yeah. and that's what keeps chirp secure. So is is chirp pretty much? Like on this, how does the security? How can you secure a sound wave? Is the security this like similar to like Bluetooth low energy, you know, or, or Wi-Fi? How how do you secure it? Yeah, you, you use exactly the same strategies okay. as you would with, with Bluetooth, um, namely um, encryption. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so, Chirp's uh, job is to get bytes from A to B yeah. using using sound. Um, our SDKs actually don't um, um, provide any um, direct functionality with respect to in encryption or security. Okay. Um, our, our thinking is that most companies, um, if they are really serious about um, security, it's likely they're going to be implementing that themselves, or at least want complete overview and transparency mm -hmm. when it comes to that. So, uh, we took then I guess that it's on them if they get if there's some like sort of privacy or um, in that vein or yes I mean it's less or something it's less it's, it's less about kind of putting it on them okay um, um, per se it's, it's 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 more about making sure that um, our SDKs stay kind of uh, use case agnostic okay uh, and we get bytes from A to B using sound. Whether those bytes are encrypted or not encrypted, or, not. or okay, you just pass sense. pass them to our SDK and we'll send them, and we don't actually need to know um, what, what that they, is or what, what it contains. contains. Okay, exactly. so how could you give a little bit of insight into how the technology works? So let's say I've got a file, or I've got a photo, or a piece of data, and I want to send that to a friend. Yep. How does that work? Sure. So the first thing to say is that um, data sound typically. Um, sends small pieces of information, so it's more akin to uh, audio QR code, mm -hmm. um, okay. um, something that you would send a kind of identifier or a, like a, a link, a, 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 a link rather than the um, piece of media itself. Mm -hmm. right? uh, and yeah, so how does it work? Well, uh, on the sending side, it's um, relatively simple compared to the decoder. Um, basically, the, we get the loudspeaker to produce uh, a series of tones okay. um, which are broadcast out into the um, space in a particular pattern and we have things like uh, error correction, um, forward error correction to make sure that when it gets to any microphone mm -hmm. uh, the chirp decoder sitting behind that uh, the decoder does the hard work of sifting signal from noise. Figuring out what that means. Yeah, okay. uh, applying error, any um, error correction that's, that's needed at, at that point and compensating for um, uh, acoustic artifacts that are introduced during the broadcast. That's one differentiator when it comes to sound versus uh, radio frequency. Of course mm -hmm. you get reflections um, sometimes in, in the radio space, but uh, with sound, you have to deal with a whole host of things like reverberation, um, um, early and late um, reflections, distortions in the both the microphone and the speaker. Yeah, I was going to say that would the would the quality of the speaker or the microphone make it? So if I was if I was trying to I don't know send someone a, a piece of data, 
yeah. and I'm using some really tinny tube laptop speakers, yeah. is that then harder for the decoder to read? Is it still possible? Like, is uh, well, because of uh, exactly how good our decoder is, <laughs> um, we've, we've completely mitigated okay. effects. But you are right um, in an absolute sense. Yeah. The decoder is working harder uh, if you've got uh, less fidelity uh, in the sound transducer. Yeah. But it's doing a whole host of, um, of measures to make sure that the uh, original um, signal, the, the data, is reconstituted at a receiving device, mm -hmm. not only um, um, reliably, but kind of um, provably that it's uh, it's the same data that was, was sent. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. And then I saw that you guys were doing some really cool things at CES recently. Could you talk a little bit more about that, what you guys were, were there, I think you announced something, a little partnership, or product, you put up something? Yeah, so this was a, this was, um, a collaboration between um, ourselves uh, and a MEMS microphone uh, producer, Vesper. Um, a really innovative um, company in the, in the microphone space. Um, and their, their microphone has got this particular feature whereby it can basically um, be used as a, as a switch. Okay for the whole of the rest of the electronics that you might find on a on a like an on-off switch almost or yeah okay and and so if you've got a microphone on uh, an IoT device mm -hmm. um, Vesper's microphone can power down the whole board to basically a zero power state which means that for battery powered devices yeah. they can saving on battery they can save battery and, and from a very small battery have a have a, a kind of lifespan of, of, of many months until it hears uh, a chirp mm -hmm. um, and the tones contained in the chirp signal um, tell the microphone to switch on the rest of the board and then start processing the data. That, that happens, that switch happens very, very um, quickly indeed. Mm. So what we, you know, we, we bundled this um, all together to the concept of zero power uh, acoustic uh, networking. So in a sense, so obviously with, with like Internet of Things nowadays, you have things like smart plugs, <laughs> where you can, you know, turn a plug on and off using Wi-Fi. Basically, there could be a scenario where there could be a, a chip version of that using a sound wave. So you could turn on and off the switches in your room. In a similar vein to saying, you know, like, to, to speak to your Google Assistant, but in this sense it could be something else that triggers that sound yeah. to then switch off all of those devices and then switch them back on. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yep. Um, use cases like that are, are, are certainly feasible. And even before you get um, to, to, to that stage, you can, you can experiment with um, bringing that device uh, onto the network in a much easier fashion than, than we're used to with, with IoT devices. So, mm -hmm. so typically when I bring home a new set of like say smart switches, right, from um, from the shop and I need to get them like onto my network and set all up. set up. It's a real pain, particularly if you've got multiple devices yeah. um, and you have to do this. <laughs> and different ones from Google, ones from TP Link, ones from whatever. Yeah. yeah. And, and none of them know your Wi Fi credentials, none of them know your um, Google account yeah, um, ID or your um, Apple Home Kit. Um, 
so one really nice um, use case for this could be that when you bring bring back uh, uh, a device, it's been in a low power um, state, but as soon as it hears a chirp, which mm -hmm. is sending across the Wi-Fi credentials or your smart home, um, you know, authentication token, say, uh, those products can be practically instantly provisioned onto the onto your home. Um, smart home network. Mm. And then so just coming back to like how chirp technology compares to other kind of technology because obviously you know in today's world we've got Wi-Fi, we've got Bluetooth low energy, you know you could even yeah. throw an NFC into the mix, yeah. all these kind of technologies. How would you say sort of on a on a basic level people might be listening thinking okay this sounds really awesome, yeah. How do, where does it sit and yeah. how does it differ from Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, NFC, yeah. similar technologies like that? So the first thing, the first thing to recognise is that all of these, even if you remove chirp from the perspective, right, all of these other technologies exist because they've got different and complementary um, um, features. Yeah. You can do a lot of similar things um, between uh, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, for example. You can both, you can connect to the internet using uh, using both, but there's enough differences that their unique set of capabilities mm -hmm. gives them a, a space um, uh, at the table. So they almost sit complementary in a way for different uses, or in, and even if they're the same uses, they're still, they're still better scenarios where sound might be better than Wi-Fi, like exactly. in a tube, for example, on the tube where there's no signal. For exactly, so that's how we see the landscape um, in general. Okay. Right. We see a whole host of connectivity um, Technologies that you that you mentioned, right? Mm -hmm. right. But no, I'd, I'd add, I'd add QR codes to yeah. um, the, the kind of optical um, 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 data transmission. Things like what about things like Face ID or technologies like that? Would, would you throw that into the same kind of mix, or that's, is that sort of separate? That's less of a machine to machine okay. um, um, technology. Um, you could in an abstract sense, um, but uh, if you're talking about kind of just getting data from one machine to, to another, to another th things like the technologies you mentioned, Wi-Fi, yeah. Bluetooth, QR codes, yeah. NFC, yeah. Um, and uh, newer standards like uh, Sigfox and LoRa that are coming onto the scene for IoT devices, for long range, okay. long range IoT devices. And we've got five G as well, which is just around exactly. the corner. Yeah. So I got all of these into into kind of what I refer to as a, a connectivity toolbox. Okay. Right. And it's if you want to solve a problem, and uh, the problem involves getting a bit of information from one device to another, you know what tools do you have in your in your in your toolbox? Yeah. One reason why we think data or sound uh, has got a, a place in that toolbox um, is that the hardware, as I mentioned, is kind of ubiquitous. So so. Unlike NF NFC, where you need to make the latest phone and it's kind of locked down on, on, on Apple, if you want to release a product or service that um, supports every device, laptop, tablet, phone, manufactured in the last 10 years, um, sound might be a good option. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't require any configuration or pairing. That's um, so it can, it can enable really, really frictionless experiences instead of, do you have your Bluetooth switched on, please go to set. <laughs> Are you in pairing mode? No, I'm not. Okay, right. Um, yeah. And using sound as a medium versus radio gives us uh, a unique ability that our data broadcasts are confined to within a room. Mm -hmm. That's particularly um, 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 unique. 
so if you want to send a piece of information to everybody in this room very easily, mm -hmm. um, but not the meeting room next door, you could do. Or you don't want people. Mm. You want to, you know, uh, open up a device for pairing, but you want to make sure that it's only only people in this home or this meeting room. Yeah. You know. um, so. The fact that Simon was saying like respects room boundaries uh, is uh, is fairly unique. So, to, just to just to kind of uh, answer your original question, yeah. rather hopefully with the way at this point, uh, we don't see any kind of single unique aspect. Just as with the other technologies, where there's a certain amount of overlap, you have to take the whole feature set of any particular technology and see if it's right for the problem that you're trying to solve. Sometimes. QR codes will be right, sometimes you Bluetooth, and sometimes sound. I like the toolbox analogy. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you need a flat base screwdriver, sometimes you need a Phillips screwdriver, or maybe you need a wrench. Yeah, I like that. Um, so in terms of just coming back to security, just briefly, um, you know, we touched on the security being in a room. That's obviously quite a nice little bonus of Soundwave, obviously not travelling outside of a room too far. Exactly. In terms of on a security and kind of encryption standpoint, I guess people will be thinking, okay, could I use this as the next two-factor authentication code with my bank, for example? And um, is that possible? How does that security element work? Yeah, you could, how do you encrypt um, it? People will be familiar with maybe the kind of 2FA codes used to uh, log into Google. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, yeah. These are simple um, um, time-based um, um, one-time pad yeah. uh, um, pin numbers. Uh, and so you can imagine an analogy uh, where, whereby, or an example whereby, those numbers are sent across um, from a browser to a, a listening uh, mobile phone. Yeah. Uh, the nice thing about getting it to the mobile phone is you might have a biometric, you might have your fingerprint um, yeah. um, being read there, um, and then the confirmation either being sent back across using sound or maybe um, via the network. An important thing to say about that use case is that the majority of that work um, is done by the bank. Okay. Right. Um, we provide the, the SDKs, um, but it's really up to those um, third party um, providers to implement our technology is something which uh, into a wider use case that uh, makes sense for them. So in terms of how that would work, if you had, I don't know, two devices that you're trying to connect, let's say, for example, you're trying to log into online banking on your laptop, yeah. and then you've got the online banking app on your phone, in theory, the, your laptop could just, as long as, well, would it need to just have that, the, an app, like the Chirp app installed effectively? Or well, just, no, we don't do the app, right? So, it'd be so HSBC, HSBC would exactly. have it built in exactly. onto their web platform. Exactly. They then send it, and then would the phone need to have something on there? You'd or would that on the, be built into the HSBC app? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So in your, your internet banking on the, in the browser, you press a button to log in, the browser would make a sound, and your, and your app would, would listen and authenticate you. And that's just as secure as using a two-factor authentication mode, like an SMS? It could be, yeah. Cool. So. Dan, uh, CTO of Chirp, has just joined us. Dan, if you could just give a quick little intro um, about yourself. James is kind of intro about Chirp, but if you could just give a little intro about yourself and your background just quickly. Yeah, sure, so uh, my name is Dan Jones. Uh, I'm CTO and co-founder here at Chirp. Uh, my background is in research, particularly in audio signal processing. Okay. Uh, so encoding and decoding bits of information and bits of sound. 
Um, and here at Chirp, I currently lead our research and development efforts. Nice. Why are you researching and developing? <laughs> uh, so what we're looking at is basically the next generation of audio communication technology. So thinking a few years ahead mm -hmm. of where we are at the moment uh, and kind of putting together a far future vision of a world in which data over sound um, becomes an integral part of how devices Almost like to each becoming other. ubiquitous in the market. Exactly, ubiquitous okay. is the key. And so, so, so we're looking towards a world in which uh, audio data communication becomes part of our day-to-day uh, the day-to-day -day lives of our machines as they speak to each other, um, mm. as the internet of things starts to become more pervasive. Are you are you guys aware of any other companies that are doing something similar to you guys? And if so, is the same is the technology you know, essentially the same between the two of you? What what does in, what kind of like differentiates Chirp? Is it your kind of decoding technology that you guys have built? Could you kind of clarify a little bit more on that? Sure, yeah, there's been quite a few companies that have popped up since um, we appeared back in 2010 uh, trying to find their own place in this world of data over sound. But what sets us apart is our research heritage, really. We come out of University College London, co-founded by Professor Anthony Steed there, mm -hmm. um, myself and uh, Patrick Berglund. It's really our research credentials that just got us nine years ahead of anyone else, you know. Um, we know that the world is a very noisy, uh, challenging place. Uh, you know, the, the, there are um, sirens all around us. We have rooms that are echoing, bouncing sounds around us, and yeah. those challenges make it really hard to do. You know, we've had a, a whole bunch of, um, you know, copycats which have popped up to try to replicate what we do, but it's really, as they've discovered, very challenging to hit the levels of reliability that people need. You need your data to get there. Uh, in the and, yeah. the, and the right message and not get lost. We kind of talked earlier about, like, you know, in being able to do it in a room, but also if there's other devices in that room, being able to still decode it, even if you've got a really bad like, laptop speaker or if there's other noises or things like that. That's what's been fascinating really about, about um, having a strong uh, research heritage, but then, you know, being a commercial company, bringing that research into the real into the real world. Right? It hasn't stayed at that by any, mm. by, by any means. So you know, we've got projects at scale um, with, um, with with bus companies in India, with games companies in the, in, in, in the US. Uh, we did a project last year with a nuclear power station in, 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 in the UK. Um, so we, we kind of run the gamut of, of applications of our technology, both uh, at mass consumer scale but also in some of the most challenging extreme acoustic environments like a, like in the, what was it, the pump room in the, the, the nuclear power station? How does it come to that? You guys love that go into it. How does that work? How yeah, is sure. yeah, yeah. How is Chirp being used there? You have to, well first of all you have to wear ear defenders which was okay. quite interesting. And the technology still works when you have to wear it. That, yeah. That's impressive. I'm not going to lie, it's daunting. When we stepped in the room they said it's quite quiet at the moment because the turbine's shut off. By the way, it's 100 decibels and you're going to have to still wear these ears yeah. just stepped in there. But um, what's nice about the acoustic spectrum is that you can find your own little space in it. So what we do is we, um, in that scenario, we play data in the near ultrasonic range, which okay. is higher frequency than the noise that the uh, turbines are generating so we'll give off, um, but still within the range that a microphone okay. can okay. Yeah. Um, So there's much less background noise there. Um, and in fact, even in these definitely noisy environments, we could send data over uh, 70 metres, the entire length of the turbine hall from place to place, sending sensor information from place to place with 100% integrity. So is, 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 is Chirp basically sending information from 
one kind of computer to another computer with like sensor information between like on terms of like like heat information or what, what kind of things like things like that heat pressure, yeah. Yeah. pressure vibration that's an interesting music. Is there a what is uh, kind of okay? Here's a good question. Two two things. I'd love to know one a good use case that people may have seen or heard of, and then two the most unusual use case that you've seen aside from obviously the nuclear power station that we just got into. So one of you do one of you want to take one of those? I think uh, I can take one, the one that people may, may, may have seen. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, we're we're. Currently in in um, um, uh, company in, in India, we're doing um, ticketing, mm -hmm. um, and we're doing I think just south of about hundred thousand tickets, um, ticket validations uh, a, day. A, a day there. Um, it's a really nice example of our technology being applied into a market where, to, to your question earlier. The um, handsets are typically quite cheap Android yeah. um, phones, yeah. um, so we can't rely on it being kind of perfect um, um, you know, speaker quality. <laughs> uh, um, but one which is used every day um, and, and and makes the process of getting onto one of their their, their buses much much um, faster mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and and easier. Mm -hmm. I can speak to the more far out one, which um, was actually uh, a student in the US who took our technology, um, downloaded our SDKs, and created a research project as part of his studies that was using CHIRP as a way for a remote operated submarine to communicate with okay. land. So, one of the interesting things about underwater communication is that you can't use radio frequencies, the radio frequencies do not penetrate through water very well. Um, so, what the student did was he took the CHIRP SDK used what's called a hydrophone, an underwater microphone, and used it as a way to send signals from a submarine um, across clever. the channel of water. It's absolutely brilliant. It was a really great project. And it's also a testament to the talented DIY hackers, the people yeah. around the world who are just taking the technology and using it to invent weird and wonderful things that we would have never foreseen. And, any, and, and you guys have got the SDK available, so if anyone's listening and they're like, oh, actually, I thought I might want to put something like that, they can just head on to Chirp's website and, and give it a play. Yeah, you yeah, can download, that, download it and use it. I thought I thought you were going to go for uh, I don't know if this is still on the wraps, but the 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 chirping to the moon. Chirping to the moon, now that's true. Actually, yeah, we both done it underwater. <laughs> what um, chirping but, to but, 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 um, <laughs> We worked with uh, an artist at a hackathon that we did at Abbey Road Studios okay, a few nice. weeks ago. They did a huge music hack event there, um, and we uh, worked with a sound artist who has uh, access to a radio uh, telescope with which you can actually take a signal, encode it as radio wave, send that to the moon, and then bounce it back off the moon. So using the moon like a mirror, basically. That uh, is, that's clever. It was fantastic. And Fair so play to the submarine guy. So we're reaching well, the various ends of the Earth and beyond. Yeah, that's our longest range. Yeah, yeah. so we took, we took a chirp, we said, hello moon, chirped it to the moon, <laughs> back again, and decoded it. So yeah, robust enough to reach well, the moon. But to, to your point as well, it really, really speaks to um, the versatility of the technology, and one of the reasons why we, we, we make the SDKs um, both easy to access, but also really easy to to, to use. Mm -hmm. So example apps, documentation, etc. Yeah. We really try to encourage people 
um, whether you've got a commercial application or something more experimental and underwater or interplanetary, <laughs> to, uh, to, to, uh, to just download the SDK and have a, have a play with it. Here we go. And then, so just coming back, so obviously you guys are a business, how do you make money? Where's, where's your revenue scheme? Where's your revenue model? We charge our, our larger clients uh, mm -hmm. a yearly um, software, kind of, uh, an enterprise license, um, and the the commercials there kind of depend on the the use case uh, and the and the volume. Typically, um, we find that we have to kind of respect the fact that our technology can be used in many different ways, um, which is to say, many different value propositions. Mm -hmm. um, so. Um, so we don't have a kind of uh, one-size-fits-all um, 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 pricing, and certainly we don't um, put access to the technology behind the behind the paywall. We want people to people to use it, and then it's a it's a conversation with our larger clients about licensing. Mm -hmm. In every in every episode of the podcast, I always do a little quick fire round. So if you guys are up for it, I'd love to. Maybe you get some different answers from both. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we've had no heads up. We've had no, we've had no heads up. That's, that's the thing. That's why I like the bit right. Okay. They're all kind of sound related, but there's a few um, there's a few random ones in there as well. So, favourite song? Oh. <laughs> so. <laughs> that's the first that's, that's the first one. Off the top of my head, I'll go Everything in the Right Place by Radiohead. Okay. Ooh. Um, David Cowboy by Voice of Canada. Nice. Favourite sound? I really like the sound that is made when you chuck a stone at an icy lake. You know, when a lake is frozen over, okay, it's yeah. an amazing kind of choking sound, actually, um, which happens because the vibration basically ricochets through the solid, and as it goes away, you get this kind of Doppler sounding thing where it goes choo choo. It's very sound. That is good. Cool. Oh, the, the, the ice skating. Okay, is it ice skating through thin ice? Oh. <laughs> yeah, look at that. Have a look at that. I like walking on snow. Okay, nice. Yeah, Looking yeah. like crunching. Yeah, yeah. That's a good sound. Um, Spotify or Apple Music? Spotify. Spotify. Uh, better discovery. Much better discovery. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Apple. Um, vinyl or cassette? Vinyl. Vinyl, yeah. Um, Alexa or Google Home? I have to say Alexa because I've not actually tried to Google Home that much. Okay. I've heard it's, uh, it's uh, kind of on, the, on the route to overtake yeah. it. Yeah. Interesting. I said Google. Um, is it 80s or 90s music? <laughs> 80s, 80s. But, but I'm showing my age. And then 80s or 90s fashion? <laughs> can you remember? That's tricky. Yeah, I can. I can remember just about from the depths of, depth of history. Probably nineties, I think, just because I've got a fondness for the baggy, baggy trousers. I think eighties. Nineties, I was making my own fashion choices. Eighties was my parents' choice. <laughs> <laughs> so we take nineties on yeah, that. Yeah, Fair enough. Um, Sony or Bose? This is this is a debate. So it is an ongoing debate. Yeah. Um, Bose. I am a big fan of Sony's noise cancelling headphones. See, are we basing this on headphones or are we basing this on speakers? That's the question. Because I care as a general, but uh, is yours more on speakers or is it on headphones? What's, your, what's the thing? I have the direct experience of Sony's headphones. Okay, and, and they're top notch. The speakers, particularly the Bluetooth speaker, is pretty fantastic. So it's very borderline. Yeah, so just 
Jazz or heavy metal? Jazz. Wi Fi or Ethernet? <laughs> can, we, can we make a third choice here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> um, and then, last one Jam or Marmite? Marmite. Right. But there are so many jams. But if you had to just have. If you had to have one for the rest of my life, I'd go, I'd go jam because, you know, jam is a whole world. The so. options raspberry, strawberry, blueberry. Um, and then, cool. So the last question I would like to just finish with is. Where do you guys see the future of chirp and kind of data over sound, wireless communication over sound over the next hundred years? So not just in the next kind of couple of years. So obviously this would be maybe you know the next hundred years, not even including chirp. But where do you see the technology going over the next hundred years? So uh, within that time, well, we kind of alluded alluded to it earlier, um, seeing ourselves as, as as part of the, the connectivity toolbox, yeah. right? That I described mm -hmm. earlier. Um, it's been kind of shoulder to shoulder with um, uh, uh, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, um, um, uh, QR codes. Mm -hmm. um, more, you know, more broadly speaking, but also looking a little bit further ahead, uh, we touched on the advent of voice, and I, I believe we're just basically the first on the cusp, first innings. Right. So if you look forward to a future where. Um, it's weird if you walk into a space and ask for something and don't get the okay. answer from from an AI, you know, intelligence Robot. some some yeah, space, yeah. right? Where you've got um, voice assistance that is completely ubiquitous and you've got the answers that you, that you need at your fingertips. Um, we'd hope that because we're using the same transducers, because we're using the same physical infrastructure, um, Chirp will have a part to play at that um, at that edge. So I'm, I'm excited in the next hundred years to see where where voice Guys. is able okay. to take our technology and, and put together I'd say. Good that Awesome. That concludes the episode. Thanks a lot for joining me guys. Thank you. Cool. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on the iTunes store. If you're listening on an Apple device, it helps us out massively. And subscribe to hear about all the other exciting new emerging technologies we're going to uncover next. If you've got any examples of any companies or technology that we should be speaking to, then also please let me know. I'll leave all the ways of getting in contact with me down in the show notes. Thanks.